Welcome to the podcast for Sunday, January 28th, 2018. May God use this as a blessing to you today. Due to copyright restrictions, we're unable to play the audio versions of the video clips that we showed in worship. Hopefully you can find the clips on your own. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are are indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I love Disney films, and I really love the 2006 film Cars. But since I've become an annual pass holder at Disneyland, uh, Cars Land in Disney's California Adventure has been one of the favorite places for me to go in either of the parks. It's just an amazing job. This picture was taken last summer uh, when our daughter Emily was home. And she was home from college, and they were just uh, publicizing the new Cars 3 movie that had come out. Uh, This was taken three Christmases ago, our first Christmas here in California. And Ezra and Emily were home from college, and we went over to California Adventure and took a a night shot in Radiator Springs. And then this was from this past Halloween, when they had uh, the whole Cars land lit up with these amazing colors. And I tucked my camera down on my tripod and, and took some really neat pictures. But it's just a beautiful place. Here's a few other fun facts uh, from the movie Cars to get us into today's uh, topic. First, we'll talk numbers. This 2006 film grossed over $244 million in box office sales. It sold over $5 million in DVDs in the first two days it was released. And in the three films that have come out uh, in the last 12 years or 11 years, it has grossed over, you ready, 10 billion dollars in merchandising sales. My goodness. Hopefully they're tithing that along the way as well, right? Uh, Second, did you know that the original idea that was pitched for the movie was about an electric car living in a gas-guzzling world? Which would have been fun, but I think they made the right choice with the race car motif. Uh, Not only that, but the original inspiration uh, for the, the race car Lightning McQueen was none other than Basketball superstar Michael Jordan, right? You can see the uh, connection, can't you? Right there? That's how I played basketball, too. Not so much the skying high and dunking, but the tongue hanging out. That was my thing. Uh, Fourth, this was the last feature film in Paul Newman's illustrious acting career. He died of cancer in 2008. And comedian George Carlin, who also was in the film and had been in other movies throughout his career, died three months before it was released. And for both of them, this was their highest grossing film of their career. Yeah. It was the last Disney film to be released on VHS format and the first one to be released on Blu-ray. And finally, director John Lasseter hatched the idea for Cars while he was taking a cross-country road trip with his wife and five sons in 2000 on Route 66. The trip was taken mainly at behest of his wife, who felt he was spending too much time working at the studio. So they did this family road trip, and Nancy Lasseter told her husband that he needed to make this film for all people, but especially uh, women who don't really care about Cars at all. This might turn them around. Well, welcome to this third week in our New Year's sermon series entitled Faith in Disney. And our goal is uh, to experience five classic Disney films and looking for signs of the gospel that are within the storyline. Beauty and the Beast and the Jungle Book started it off. Next week, Hercules, we finished with the series on February 11th with Wally. 
And today we're looking at cars. And if it's been a while since you've seen this film, or if you've never seen it, you may be amazed at how truly wonderful it actually is. The film begins with the Dynaco 400, the final race in the Piston Cup series. And though there are 42 cars in the race, there are three cars that are tied for the overall racing standings. Strip Weathers, otherwise known as the King, is a racing, racing legend. He's about to retire. Uh, Chick Hicks, always runner-up, never a champion. And rookie sensation Lightning McQueen, who surprised everyone on his first year on the racing circuit. And the winner of today's race will be crowned the Piston Cup champion. Well, early on in the race, Hicks, always looking to gain an advantage, uh, causes a major accident that eliminates many of the cars in the race. But somehow, Michael Jordan, I mean Lightning McQueen, manages to emerge from the pile unscathed. And instead of going into the pits like Hicks does, he stays out on the track to take the lead at the caution flag. Well, as the race continues, uh, McQueen maintains the lead. He's, he pits only to gas, but not change any tires. His, his crew thinks that's ridiculous. You can't just run on the same tires for the whole race. But then again, McQueen never liked listening to his crew anyway. In fact, he fired his last crew chief. He didn't even have a crew chief for this race. And it all comes down to the final lap. Let's watch. Well, the instant replay was too close to call. And while the officials were looking at the video, the entire stadium waited. In the post-race interviews, Lightning was asked if he regretted not having a crew chief for this race. He says, no, I'm a one-man show. At which point, the rest of his pit crew quit on him. Well, the king comes over and offers McQueen a little bit of sage advice. You've got more talent in one lug nut than a lot of cars have in their whole body, he says. But you're stupid. This, this ain't a one-man deal, kid. You've got to wise up and get yourself a good crew chief and a good team. Well, while the king is talking to him, Lightning McQueen is not even listening. He's daydreaming about becoming the next Dynaco-sponsored race car. Well, the official results put the race at a three-way tie. So they're going to have to have a race off the following week in California. McQueen is heartbroken. I mean, the race was his. He was so close to winning. So he makes his obligatory appearance at his corporate sponsor tent, uh, Rust Ease, which embarrasses him quite a bit because he hates hanging around old, rusty cars. And then as quick as he can, he packs up into his trailer and heads west to prepare for the race in California. Our scripture reading for today is from 1 Corinthians 12. It, It talks about the church in general. For just as the body, Paul writes, is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but many. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Now, normally, whenever I read this passage from 1 Corinthians 12, I, I always focused on the part that reminds you know, that everyone has a role to play, that no one is insignificant. We all have gifts that we can use for the body. But as I was preparing for the sermon and, and watching the film a couple times, I started seeing a different part of this passage I hadn't noticed before. It's the second half of the verse, where it appears that one body part is wanting to get rid of another. You know, I don't need you. I'm fine. I can do it myself. It it can be as blatant as thinking that, you know, the church doesn't need those kind of people here, right? Or as insidiously uh, deceptive as thinking, I don't need anyone else. 
I'm fine, just me and Jesus, right? I'll come to church and go. I don't need to come to Bible study. I don't need to be involved in any small groups or other opportunities. Friends, Paul tells us what Jesus told us. We need each other. The church was meant to be a community. When we neglect or ignore that part of our discipleship, we suffer. And that's why we're, as we're getting ready for the six weeks of Lent leading up to Easter, we're having these Meals Together programs. Not because we think you need one more thing to do in your already busy schedule, but we need each other. We need to invest in relationships. We need to make sure that we know people other than the ones that we normally sit next to on Sunday morning. That's what Lightning McQueen's problem was. Instead of working together as a racing team, he wanted to be the one and only. And if you didn't have his uh, understanding of where things went, you were gone. Well, up until this point, his raw talent had propelled him to unparalleled excess, but he's soon to find out he's actually missing something quite great and how lonely it is when you go with the one and only mentality. Well, while in transit, he gets a call from his agent, Harv, informing him that, hey, he's got 20 tickets to the big race in California that he can give away to his closest friends. And we soon discover that despite Lightning McQueen's success, He doesn't have anyone that he can give those tickets to. That night, his driver, Max, starts getting sleepy, but McQueen wants to get to California as fast as possible, so he uh, nixes a rest stop request. Well, a little bit later, uh, four souped-up cars known as the delinquent road hazards uh, see Max dozing off and decide to have a little fun. So they come up alongside him and they kind of nudge him off the road while he's sleeping. Well, the jostling from getting in the shoulder lane causes a sleeping Lightning McQueen to slide out of the back of the trailer. And a disoriented Mac never even knows that his prized possession is missing. Well, Lightning follows what he thinks is Mac off an exit, but it turns out to not be the same trailer. And as he races to get back onto the freeway, a police car comes and tries to stop him from speeding, but then the police car's car backfires, and he thinks someone's shooting at him, so McQueen goes even faster, and he finds himself on the outskirts of the small town called Radiator Springs. Let's watch. Well, the next day when uh, Mac shows up in California, and they open the trailer, and they find it empty, the world goes on lightning McQueen alert. Uh, But we know where he is, right? He's in Radiator Springs, the cutest little town in Carburetor County, according to Tow Mater, the rusty old truck outside the municipal compound. The sheriff soon summons him to appear at traffic court, where a room full of angry cars uh, are waiting for justice after McQueen's late-night foray. Well, the Honorable Doc Hudson presides over the court, and after taking one look at lightning, he dismisses all charges, which is very surprising. That's when Sally shows up, uh, the town's lawyer. She uh, proceeds to convince the courtroom and Doc to at least force the race car to repair the road that he tore up. And with that, Lightning is uh, introduced to Bessie, the road paving machine. The job should take about five days, given all the damage that McQueen caused. And as soon as Mater removes the parking boot from... uh, uh, McQueen to hook him up to Bessie, he tears off down the road, convinced that he has just gotten out of having to do anything uh, to reimburse the town. Well, of course, he doesn't know that the sheriff siphoned most of the gas out of his tank while he was sleeping in case just such an incident occurred. And back went lightning to spend time with Bessie, determined to finish the job well before the projected five-day allotment. 
Well, the race will be one lap around the dirt track and radiator springs. And as they near the start, none of the town folk think Doc has any chance of beating McQueen. Well, Lightning takes an early uh, lead, but he can't make the back turn, and he slides right off the track into a prickly pear cactus patch. You drive like you pave roads, Doc says, lousy. And Mater has to haul him out. So back goes Lightning McQueen to scrape off the haphazard job that he had done in an hour and to learn to do it the right way. Well, the next morning, the Radiator Springs town folk are completely shocked at how wonderful that first section of the road is that McQueen had repaved. It's like it was paved by angels, says Luigi. Well, having run out of asphalt, Lightning gets permission by the sheriff to go back out and work on the dirt track. But he still can't get that back turn. So Doc comes over and offers him some advice. But McQueen's not able to hear any of it. He thinks he knows everything. Crazy old Grandpa Carr, what an idiot, he says as he races off. In the Bible, Proverbs 16, 18 says, Without counsel, plans go wrong. But with many advisors, they succeed. And in the movie, Lightning McQueen uh, refuses to allow anyone into his life for advice or even companionship. And that's a hard road to pave alone. Call it naive or cockiness, call it an overinflated ego, whatever it is, it's keeping McQueen not only from making friends, but also from living a life of meaning and purpose. Anyone been there before, different stages of your life, thinking that we, we're fine on our own, we don't need a community? Well, a strange thing started happening around Radiator Springs. After that little section of the road was repaved and it looked so nice, uh, people started repairing their own buildings to make it match how nice the road was. And they started being nice to McQueen as well. Like Luigi and Guido repairing the slow leak in his tires, or Sally offering him to stay at her Cozy Cone Motel instead of the municipal uh, impound. Even Mater took him out tractor tipping one night, and they had a blast. Back at the Cozy Cone that night, Mater gives McQueen two gifts. First, he teaches him how to drive backwards, something that uh, McQueen didn't even think was a thing. And second, he calls him his best friend. The evening draws to a close as Lightning actually thanks Sally for the invitation to stay at her motel. It's almost like he's becoming a brand new car. The next day, as McQueen is waiting around for his daily gas ration, he rolls into Doc's garage and discovers that Doc himself has won three piston cups. Of course, Doc doesn't want to talk about it, and he sends the young race car out. And when he tries telling the town folk about who Doc really is, nobody believes Lightning McQueen. Sally interrupts the the gathering at Flo's by inviting stickers, that's what she calls them because of the racing stickers on his side, out for an afternoon ride, and he gets permission from the sheriff to go. Lightning is truly amazed at the beauty of the countryside around him and the beauty of his traveling companion. They stop outside the old wheel well motel where Sally tells them how she ended up in Radiator Springs. She was tired of life in the fast lane in L.A. and the history of the beautiful Ornament Valley and how so many cars that traveled on Route 66 used to stop in Radiator Springs. That was until the interstate was built. And then the drivers began bypassing their quiet little town altogether. That was the beginning of the end for Radiator Springs. Well, after the ride, Lightning finds Doc practicing back out on the dirt track. It's the first time in decades that he's put on his racing tires again. Back at Doc's garage, he finally finds out why Doc stopped racing. 
When's the last time you cared about someone other than yourself? It's a great question. It's a question that Jesus asked his own disciples. Actually, he modeled it out in his own life. He told them in John 15, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No greater love is this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. That was even the scripture passage we heard last week at the end of the Jungle Book. Following Jesus isn't about looking after number one. No, it's putting others' needs ahead of your own. It's living out a lifestyle of servant leadership. Lightning McQueen was finally beginning to think of someone other than himself. And when he finished repaving the road overnight, the townsfolk thought he had left uh, for his race in California without even saying goodbye. Well, it turns out he still had some work to do, like buying new white wall tires from Luigi and a couple of cases of organic fuel from Fillmore's, night vision goggles from Sarge's Surplus, curios from Lizzie's gift shop, brand new paint job from Ramon's, which he showed to Sally that night, right before they surprised her by lighting up the whole town with new neon signs. It was almost the perfect night until the media and the paparazzi showed up, and Lightning McQueen was mobbed by people wanting to know where he had been and what he had been up to that week. Soon, Mac, his trailer, arrived on the scene, and McQueen fields a call from his agent, Harv. Let's listen in on the end of that conversation. So you want to guess who called the paparazzi? It was Doc, who seems to have wanted Lightning out of Radiator Springs from the beginning. Well, race day comes around, L.A. International Speedway, and the place is roaring. It was a 200-lap race, three cars, winner takes all. 50 laps into the race, the king leads, and though he's right with Hicks, Lightning's mind is far, far away. Well, by the 140th lap, uh, McQueen has made up for the laps that he lost on the spin-out. And on the 175th lap, Hicks tried to run him off the road once again. But Lightning uses his backward driving skills that Mater taught him in order to stay in the race. And with just 10 laps to go, Hicks sideswipes McQueen once again, causing him to blow a tire. But thanks to Guido, who performs the fastest pit stop ever, changing all four tires in just a matter of seconds, Lightning's back on the turn on the track ahead of the caution car. Which brings us, once again, to the final lap of the big race. Well, an overjealous Hicks causes the king to completely wreck, ending not only his race, but most likely his entire career. And suddenly, Lightning's priorities begin to change. Let's see how the race uh, comes to a dramatic conclusion. So Lightning McQueen discovers that deep down, it's not about awards and accomplishments and trophies, but it's really about others. It's about our relationships. Jesus put it this way. And anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Now, technically... In a three-person race, Lightning came in dead last, but he was first in the hearts of so many, and he won an even greater reward than the Piston Cup. You see, Dynaco offered to make him their next sponsored race car since the king was retiring. And there's a whole lot more to racing than winning, they said. We want you to represent us. But that wasn't the greater reward. And even though being uh, sponsored by Dynaco had been Lightning McQueen's dream, he opted for loyalty. And he re-upped with Rust Ease, the guys who had given him his first break. And before all was said and done, Lightning even found a way to get his best friend, that old rusty Mater truck, 
a ride in a helicopter. And then he moved his entire racing headquarters to Radiator Springs so he could be near his new friends and Sally. And that was the greater reward, a lifetime of solid relationships. It's a great story, isn't it? Told in a new way, but with some old-fashioned truths. What does it profit someone if a man gains the world but forfeits his soul, the scriptures say? Lightning eventually figured it out. It's all about relationships. It's about putting others' needs ahead of your own. But for us, the same message comes true. And how can we maybe find time to slow down, to move out of life's fast lane for just a little bit? It can start with signing up for a meal together group and getting to know other brothers and sisters in the faith. As we live out our discipleship, friends, as we follow Jesus, the one who truly laid down his life for his friends, may it be so with us. Thanks be to God for the story of cars, but more importantly, for our story, for the journeys of life that we have been on with the Creator and with one another. May we continue in our discipleship. And all God's people said, Amen. Let us rise for our closing.